Happy New Year! Dolphins in Depth Podcast, new decade, new vibe, new approach, new direction, same old host. How are you, star of the show? <laughs> Happy New Year, Armando. Uh, I hope you're, you and your family had a great holiday season. And uh, are you ready for one of the most consequential off-seasons in Dolphins history? I am significantly pumped. I am fired up. I am excited. All sorts of big things coming down the pike. I'm really, really uh, looking forward to it. You know why, Adam? Tell me why. The tank has been parked. <laughs> what, uh, what, 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 if, if you would park a tank in uh, downtown Miami, how much would that cost? It would well a lot less than it would cost in downtown New York. That's, that's for sure. That is true. That of is course, true. The difference is not only the price in Miami. It would cause a humongous stir in New York. No one would notice because they don't give a crap about anything up there. Yeah. <laughs> they would just go about their business and uh, find themselves a Starbucks. It would be like, oh, someone's driving a tank down Broadway. Whatever. Get out of my way, woman. You know, that kind of thing. It would have been a lot – here we go. Let's tie it in. It would have been a lot costlier for the uh, New York Jets to tank than the Miami Dolphins. How about that? What do you mean? Uh, if if the Jets went 3-13, uh, and 13, Adam Gase might have been out of the job. Yeah, except Adam Gase isn't about that. You know, right. I mean, right. he has his flaws. He has his shortcomings. But – Hey, Adam, you want a tank? That's not one of them. That, that ain't one of those. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know for a fact that he declined that offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little bit of a breaking, breaking news right there. No, thank you. I'm not doing that. And that's where the he wants to win quote, I believe, comes from. There was, uh, there was a lot of truth in that gaffe that Stephen Ross said the, uh, the day after the season ended last year. Yes. Now, the day after the season ended this year, we're on to uh, 2020-dom. And, you know, they've kind of announced their plans for free agency. They've kind of announced their outlook on the quarterback. What are those? Uh, we're not going to spend it all. <laughs> We've got $100 million, but hey, don't expect us to break the bank. We're going to be judicious. Uh, that's plan A. As far as the quarterback position, you tell me, Armando, what's their plan? Well, if you had asked me, I think, two months ago, I thought the plan was to draft a rookie quarterback, and he's the forever we love him, guy, until he proves otherwise, and off we go. Except that <clears throat> now I think general manager Chris Greer lately has been saying, oh, we don't have to draft someone. Uh, you know, it, we have a lot of needs, so we'll be drafting a lot of players. Quarterback is one of those positions, but we have to fill a lot of positions. And that made my head explode. Well, okay, I, me too when I heard that. How much of that is posturing? How much of that is saying, hey, we've got the number five pick. We really like Tua. 
if Tua comes out, we're going to take him. But we don't want the entire National Football League knowing that's our plan. I hope that's 100% posturing. Mm-hmm. Because, Adam, let's face it. If they go into the 2020 draft in four months or whatever April is, and they don't find a quarterback, what was the point of 2019? Yeah. What 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 did what was all that about? Yeah. You it, did this expressly to find a quarterback and not to find a 37-year-old Fitzpatrick. You did it to find the guy that will be with you at least for the next decade. Yeah, I, I think I think what they would tell you if they had some truth serum injected into their veins would be the plan blew up when Tua's hit blew up because if if Tua was totally healthy and he was a Heisman finalist and they're playing for a national championship on on Monday uh he the plan would have worked because the Dolphins would be sitting at five in a position to trade up to as high as two or three and get the quarterback that the Bengals don't draft they would either have Joe Burrow or Tua and that 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 dream died essentially when Tua got hurt. Now they could still resurrect a different dream, which is rehabilitating a guy who's made of glass, which I I think they still may do. But uh, they need to hedge their bets now and not be like, oh yeah, we're definitely taking a quarterback because Tua might not come out. The medicals might not be great on him. Somebody might leapfrog them and take Tua, you know, in a, in a shocking turn of events. There are things that could happen. But if, if two had stayed healthy, if Justin Herbert hadn't regressed, Jordan Love hadn't regressed, they would the, the plan absolutely would have worked. It just events beyond their control kind of torpedoed it. Well, but so think about what you just said. If life hadn't happened, the Dolphins would be sitting there all golden and everything. But guess mm-hmm. what? Life happens every day. Pete. The, the, uh, football is not a certainty one way or the other. I think we learned that when the Miami Dolphins went to visit the New England Patriots at the end of the season. There is no certain outcome. And so if you knew this, by the way, it's not news that things happen mm-hmm. in, in football. Guys get hurt. Guys play better. Guys play worse. If you knew that, then what? what now you figured out that things happen too late, bro. <laughs> well, they, they took. They, I agree, but they, they they took a calculated risk, and the risk backfired. I mean, I think that's as simple as 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 we could say it. That they 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 thought that their best possible scenario to getting their franchise quarterback was to to gut the roster, draft in the top five, and all that came true. Pick up a ton of assets have two other first-round picks that they can move up to take one of those guys if need be. The only thing that didn't come through was this was this draft pool of can't-miss quarterbacks that they thought they had this time last year. Whoops. Um, so <laughs> let, let's clear this up because I want to cover this for the last time uh, once and for all because the Dolphins lately have been trying to rewrite, you know, history – and I'm not one of those that likes history rewritten. I, I you know, Columbus discovered America, bro. Uh, I, I get it. The Vikings came around earlier, but they didn't plant a flag and they left. So screw them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Columbus discovered America. 
uh, and Cuba too, by the way, and the Bahamas, uh, and Jamaica. So did the Miami Dolphins in 2019 tank or not? Ugh. Oh, okay. Because you know what they're saying, right? Right. No, I know. I wrote a story about what Steve Ross said on the record on Monday, that we, we, anyone who says we tried to lose this year is an idiot. I mean, that's essentially what his quote was. Right. And uh, they, they might not have tried to lose Armando, but they sure as hell didn't try to win. Okay? And so if you're not trying to win, what are you trying to do? You're trying to not win. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, let me see, something that rhymes with spank? <laughs> now, now, what, what kind of frustrated me about that statement was it is 100% true that the coaches and players were trying to win every single game. Right. And we've, we have been through this ad nauseum. And, but all you, the only argument you need is one of a million clips of Brian Flores losing his ever-living mind on the officials because a call went against them in a, in a position where he thought that they could win the game. There's ample evidence that Brian Flores will never try to willingly lose a game. That doesn't mean, however, that Steve Ross, Chris Greer, Brandon Shore, Tom Garfinkel, because we always have to throw those names in when uh, we do the cattle call of, of, of people making the decisions in the organization. They, they set the franchise in a direction to minimize their assets in 2019 to maximize their assets in 2020. And, and if you're minimizing your assets in 2019, you might not be actively trying to lose, but you're sure as hell not trying to win. Exactly. And by the way, you are trying to lose because what you're doing is you're making your team what? Better or worse? Worse. You're making making your your team worse on purpose. And that's tanking. Right. That's tanking. And, And here's, Adam, answer me this question, okay? Because I missed that Steve Ross press conference. And, you know, I... I get a little sometimes um, off-put. Oh, I got I, I to stop you right there. It, it wasn't a press conference, Armando. Oh, yeah, that's it, right. It, it, was, it, it was a statement distributed by MiamiDolphins.com. It was a Q&A right. that was five or six questions, uh, and so we didn't have the natural follow-up. Well, if you weren't trying to lose, why did you get rid of uh, all your good players, including a handful of pro bowlers, including the league's highest-rated passer, including your most experienced players at every single position, uh, explain to me that. And and they wouldn't have a good answer to that. It's more fundamental than that, really. It's if you weren't trying to tank, is this the best you could do? This was you at your best, 5-11? and 11? Mm. This was... If you were actively trying to win and you were not tanking, this is what we can expect going forward because you were trying to win just like every other year. So 5-11 and 11 was as good as you could do? Yeah, I, and, I don't... And what would be the answer to that? Oh, it wouldn't be good. I, I don't know why they just didn't let that go. I don't know why they included that in the Q&A because... Uh, it was everybody's headline who, who wrote off of that essential press release um, that there's ample evidence that, that that's just not the case. So I, I think it, it, it did chip away at his credibility to have that line in there. Yeah, 
it's bad. About the quarterback. So about the quarterback, we're gonna we're gonna discuss that issue top to bottom. Uh, but we need to take a break so that you can collect your ample check from this podcast, Adam Beasley, and I can collect my pittance so that I can go on and, um, you know, buy bread this evening so I can eat. That's that's what happens when you have Jimmy Sexton negotiating your contracts, Armando. I got all I got all the chips in my pile. We'll be right back. Three, two, one. So, Adam, Miami Dolphins quarterback in 2020. Go. Oh, it's it's Fitz, Rosen, and Tua. I would. Uh, I, I'm. I am a betting man. Only when it's in legal places, by the way, New Jersey, uh, Delaware, of course, Nevada. But if there was a futures bet that I could get my hand on in South Florida, which sadly there is not. I would put a lot of money on Tua being their draft pick and then bringing those other two quarterbacks back from 2019. I can see that as well. Um, I can see that as well. And you know what? I, of all of those, the one that I'm least set, certain about is Tua, which is crazy because if you had asked me six months ago which one will be on the roster and which one won't, I could have said to you and would have thought, there's no way – 37, soon-to-be 38-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be on that roster, nor should he. And there's no way that a failed backup quarterback should be on that roster, and yet he will. And there's absolutely a need to find an elite college quarterback and bring him on, and yet he might not. Yeah. He might not even come out. Okay, I wanted to ask you about that first. Uh, what is your sense? Because this is a huge weekend in the National Football League and college football because he would automatically set up – if he comes back in 2020, which he's left the door open to, it would set up probably the greatest college football season uh, we've seen because you would have uh, Tua and you have Trevor Lawrence both at the top of their games. One's a junior, one's a senior – battling it out, and it would be spectacular. Uh, that's probably part of what his thinking is. But his other thinking has to be, I'm going to be a top ten pick. I am going to lose so much money long term if I come back for one more season. I can't – yes, I would love to be the number one pick in the draft. I would love to prove everyone wrong that I'm durable and I can beat Clemson and all that, which, by the way, he did beat Clemson as a freshman. We, we, people forget about that, even though they had their setback last, uh, last year. They did beat – uh, he did beat Clemson as a freshman. Uh, but anyway, he could have that motivation. Nick Saban, who is reportedly telling all these juniors to come back for one more go-round, could be you know, motivational and persuasive enough to convince Tua to come back. I think it would be absolutely foolish from a business decision because he is going to go in the top ten. Yeah, if you put a gun to my friend Adam's head, <laughs> um, I would say uh, that he is coming out. It, it makes sense. There's there's people talking about, well, he's not going to be 100%, so he might not want to come out. No, that would actually be a reason to come out, because if he's not going to be 100% and playing, what's the point of staying in Alabama and not getting paid? Right. He could be not 100%, not playing, either on IR or uh, riding the pine until he gets better, 
and collecting a big check. Yeah, he's got he has pup written all over it. He starts the season on the pup, miss six, seven games, and then they'll reevaluate. Uh, I I don't know aside from just pure love of Alabama why he would stay his senior year. Yeah, I don't get it either. And then the next logical step. So I've heard multiple times, and again we go back to the uh, idea that maybe they're just it's a stance and it's a negotiating stance. But I've heard multiple times from the Dolphins organization and Chris Greer. Well, we have to find the guy that we feel good about to actually take him. And it, that bothers me. Tell me why that bothers me, Adam. Uh, because you end up waiting forever? Because either that perfect opportunity might never arise? Because you have never found the guy that you're happy with. Mm-hmm. You didn't. You weren't happy enough with Deshaun Watson to go get him when you were a couple of steps away. You were not uh, convinced enough about Patrick Mahomes to go get him when you were a couple of steps away. You were not convinced enough about Josh Allen to go get him when you were a couple of steps away. And you were not convinced about Lamar Jackson to get him when he was sitting right there and you didn't even need to move, all yeah. you needed to do was write his name uh, on the on the uh, draft sheet. So if you're not going to get uh, comfortable with them, who are you going to get comfortable with? Those are all great points. Uh, let, let me ask you this, Armando. Do you think in his heart of hearts, Chris Greer would actually prefer Tua to stay, to, 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 to go to college for one more season? Because it would let him – kick the can down the road one more time on that decision. Uh, there, there will be – if they don't take a quarterback at five, Tua doesn't come out, there's going to be zero blowback. There's, there, people are going to know the situation. He's going to get benefited out largely on, to, uh, on these circumstances. But if Tua is there at five and he passes because he's concerned about his hip and Tua goes on to be a multiple-time pro bowler, one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, that will be the epitaph on his – his Miami Dolphins tombstone. I mean, that that will be what 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 will get him fired three four years down the road. I I don't think it would be three or four years. Um, I mean, <laughs> if Tua you know doesn't come out, but any other quarterback who they again fail to pick uh, starts the ball, that just adds to the list that I just outlined, doesn't it? Correct. Yeah. And, and by the way, I forgot that. At the end of his, before he got hurt, Dwayne Allen was starting to play well. So, so add another guy if he continues the same course and improves over his second year and becomes a viable guy. Uh, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, I'm sorry. Who's Dwayne Allen? <laughs> it's Josh Allen's brother. Yes, it's Josh Allen's black brother. They, uh, the, the Allens, the, the Allens are a bunch of great quarterbacks. We're uh, they're everywhere you look. Oh, you know what I've been thinking about? Uh, who's the uh, the Panthers quarterback that came in after Cam got hurt? Uh, Kyle Allen, no? Yes, yeah, that's who it is. One of those guys. All the Allens. Allens. All the Allens are taking over the National Football League. In, at quarterback, indeed. <laughs> so, okay. Now, we, we, we've gone 19 minutes here, Armando. And one name we haven't said, which I think is one of the most important names in all of this equation, is Chad O'Shea. 
and Chan Gailey. Because in my mind, there is no doubt in my mind that this, this, this move at offensive coordinator was all about the failures of Josh Rosen. And I think Chad O'Shea was all for acquiring Josh Rosen and the failures of him to develop into a, a capable NFL quarterback under Chad O'Shea's stewardship. And, and, and Flores said, you know what? We need to go get a guy who's an established Sherpa, basically a elder statesman, a, a, an, an old guy, to put it nicely, who's going to come in here and have institutional knowledge that we didn't have on this coaching staff. And he's going to come in here and help identify and develop our franchise quarterback because we don't think Chad O'Shea is that guy. That's an interesting um, that that's an interesting theory. I haven't thought of that, um, and that's possible. But I think that says more about Brian Flores than it does about Chad O'Shea, and this is the reason. Brian Flores was around Chad O'Shea for a decade, mm-hmm. okay, and over that decade, while they were working shoulder to shoulder at the New England Patriots, Brian Flores came to the decision that if I ever become a head coach in the National Football League, I want this guy to be my offensive coordinator because I've seen what he's about. I've seen him work, and I think it would work. And he tells Chad O'Shea after a decade in New England, hey, um, I just got a head coaching job. I love you. I know you. Move your family, mm-hmm. move your everything, sell your house, come on down to South Florida, let's build something in, in you know, in Davie. And after one season, everything you've seen in the last decade gets written off, gets erased, and you fire the guy, and now his family, and, and by the way, you fire the guy, he's got money. All right, mm-hmm. Chad O'Shea, it's not a money issue, but you have displaced an entire family. You have set a guy's career upside down because you got it wrong. You didn't think that he is who he is, apparently. So that says something about Brian Flores. And if you add on top of that the Pat Flaherty thing, mm-hmm. that's weird. And now – Let's let's call it what it is. You hired a guy in Chan Gailey who I love as a person. He's a strong, uh, respected, Christian, salt-of-the-earth guy. But And I, I'll tell him to his face, he's never developed a young quarterback in the NFL, and he's been coaching for 46 years. <laughs> yeah, that's the one part of the equation that doesn't add up to me. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's one I don't have an answer for because we don't – I mean, sadly, this, all this news and probably by design came after uh, Brian and, and Chris met the media on Monday, so we weren't able to ask him point blank the reasoning behind it. But I can't think of any other reason. Chad O'Shea was good at his job. Chad O'Shea last year was better at his job than Patrick Graham, true or false? True. He, his teams over the last nine games – Keep in mind, he had an XFL-level offensive line he was working with. He had running backs that would not – the running backs he had for the last six weeks of the season would not be the National Football League if not for the Miami Dolphins. And with that group, he scored 25 points per game. And a quarterback that nobody else in the league wanted, right? A quarterback that, that – Including the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> correct. He was their third choice. So 
with all those circumstances, he scored 25 points a game and went up to New England and put together one of the best game plans I've seen by a Dolphins offense against the New England Patriots in my eight years on the beat. And that got him fired. I, I, that, the only explanation I can have, aside from a personal difference, which we'll never know about, right? If there was, if there was friction there, if there was something going on behind the scenes that we'll never know about, that's, that's one thing. But if it's purely for, by, by performance, the only answer you can have is, A, inability to run the football, and B, inability to develop Josh Rosen. Those were the two shortcomings that Chad O'Shea had this year. Let's leave it here. You mentioned Josh Rosen. So the Dolphins painted that acquisition as a quote-unquote flyer. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I don't know on what planet you give up a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick, and it's a flyer. But that's how they painted it. That's how the media at large accepted it. It looks like a bad move at this point. Oh, that, that, that flyer ended up crashing to a mountain. I mean, if, if, if your hope is that he develops into a solid backup quarterback, I could see that possibly, possibly being your end game. How many teams go up a second and a fifth for maybe a backup quarterback? No one. No one. And, and here's the thing about his future. So he had two offensive coordinators in Arizona in his first year. He will be starting his second year in the offseason program they will hand him a playbook. It will be totally different than the playbook he had last year because he will have his second offensive coordinator with the Miami Dolphins. And so now we've got second-year, two-year experience, Josh, uh, excuse me, Josh Rosen. Again, the Allen brothers want to come out. Um, <laughs> scroll the Allen brothers. Um, and anyway, he's going to have – Four offenses in his head. Well, not only that, not only that, Armando, go back a little farther. He had three different offensive coordinators at UCLA. So we're talking about seven coordinators in six years. Seven coordinators in six years of football. That is bananas. That is a that is an, uh, a recipe for for a failure. Is what that well, is. Or it can make him the greatest backup of all time because by age 25, he'll have seen every offense known to man except for the wing tee. Yeah. Uh, I, I I feel bad for Josh Rosen because, obviously, uh, he's been put in situations that are not optimal. I don't see how he can dig himself out of it unless he gets traded out to a, a good team that can really sit him and just kind of – uh, rehabilitate him because I, I, I just don't see any other path for him to the field. I just don't. Agreed. And um, the path to the field for him would have been the last month of the 2019 season when the Dolphins were clearly and officially out of it. Um, when he had had more time to, to learn behind Fitz, that would have been the, the path to the field. If he couldn't play then, he sure as hell ain't playing in 2020 for the Miami Dolphins. He couldn't play then because he didn't earn it uh, and Fitz didn't lose it. He could have played if he had just been if it had just been handed to him. True, true. Uh, but you know, Coach Flo was not tanking. God bless him. I love him for that. Uh, but the reason that Josh Rosen was there is because the rest of the organization was tanking. 
Um, On that note, Happy New Year! <laughs> Take that, Stephen Ross. <laughs> well, um, let's leave it on this note. I will not be mentioning tanking in a in a concurrent season again. I believe for a long, long time. I think at the end of it all, we're going to see that that approach will be a failure. It will not have worked, and I don't think it's going to get tried anytime soon again. Uh, I, I hope you're wrong because I hope they take Tua. I hope Tua is healthy, and I hope he leads them to multiple Super Bowls because I'm tired of covering terrible teams. Oh, no. Tua, Tua, <laughs> Tua will be great. I love Tua. Thanks for Tua. Except now we're going to actually try and draft for Tua. Uh, hopefully not Justin Herbert. Hey, yeah. Uh, anyway. Armando, we have, unless there's huge, massive news, I feel like the next time we should do this uh, should be from the Senior Bowl because I'm going out there in a couple weeks, and I uh, I can give you updates from all the quarterbacks they're scouting there. Yeah, let's do this from the Senior Bowl. I'm not going. <laughs> but you're, you are making a rare appearance at the Combine this year, correct? Because you have put a collar around me and at least <laughs> – and have forced me onto planes and have forced me to take trips in the offseason that I haven't taken in decades. You, I'm going to the Indianapolis Combine. You, me, shrimp cocktail, late February, it's on. Oh, wait, that doesn't sound so bad. Okay, let's do that. We appreciate you joining us for this edition of the Dolphins In-Depth 2020 New Year's Podcast. We'll be uh, with you throughout the offseason. Stay with us. Thanks for listening.